You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hi, guys. This is your host again, Dr. Alonso Osorio with the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast and Osorio MD. We're back reinitiating our experiential and motivational recordings. I know that many of you, even my wife, she likes to hear the experiences of many physicians and how they made it into America. So we're going to try to restart that a little bit now that the interviewing season is kind of fading away and coming into an end. And most of you are just going to be hearing back from the programs. I have a guest and personal friend of mine that we met through the tennis and local social networks here in the Tampa Bay area. He's uh, originally from Brazil, and we haven't had any Brazilian or Portuguese speaking uh, guests into our show. So I'm, I'm really excited. Dr. Cirilo Arujo is here with me. Welcome, Cirilo, and thank you for being part of this. I know we've been in the negotiations of making it happen, and we are both so busy with family and, and business alike. So thank you for coming over. Well, so it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Cirilo, you have a pretty lengthy resume, almost six pages of good, good stuff. And one of the interesting things that had come up in between you and I during preliminary conversations was the fact that unlike many foreign medical grads, you had a very unique way to get your process going in the United States. So tell us more about you, where you attended medical school, and I, I, I'm going to try to pronounce it. So you have a Bachelor's of Science from the Federal University of Goia in Brazil, and I hope I said it right. And as of 2001, same year that I graduated, Dr. Arujo and I had to, you know, complete five years of medical school plus one year internship for a total of six years, and then followed in Colombia by a rural service. And then he came in, and here comes the interesting points, to, which I didn't know, and we never spoke about this. As I was going through your resume, you attended the William J. Harrington programs for Latin America and the Caribbean. And I literally had just finished and you came along. So we never really crossed paths and, and, and interact, but definitely it was a great experience. So tell us more about from the beginning, how all this motivation into coming into America and becoming a radiologist uh, started up. Yes, Alonso, I'll uh, be glad to uh, tell me a little bit of my story. So it all started when I started medical school in Brazil in 1996. As you said, I finished in 2001. So in the first year of medical school, I was not very happy with all the uh, you know, basic science that uh, you need to learn. You know? And then I came to the US for a, a English as a second language course. That was my first experience 
in the US ever. So I have never been to Disney or anything like that as a kid. So I came for, to learn English and I went to UCSD in San Diego to learn English. So that was my first experience. When I came back and I started my second year of medical school, I said, why we don't have a lot of international students visiting our university? So I got deeply involved and I created actually a, the Department of International Clerkship in my university. And uh, I, I think we were the first one in the region of Brazil to be part of the IFMSA, which is the okay. International Federation of Medical Student Association. So uh, we got credentialed and uh, my class were the first class in my medical school to send four uh, medical students to Europe, throughout Europe, to learn, you know, skills and to exchange experiences as a medical student in hospitals, you know, throughout the uh, Europe. So I got very, you know, interested in that. And during my uh, fourth year of medical school, I learned that a lot of students in Brazil, in my university, would go to um, to the United States and say, oh, United States doesn't, didn't have back then the uh, the participation at the EFMSA, or IFMSA, the International Federation, for whatever reason. And then I learned that there was a, an internship, William J. Harrington program. And I said, okay. And I started talking to the previous folks that uh, attended that, that clerkship or that internship. And I got interested in the apply for it. And, um, and then I came, as you said, in 2001 for my first uh, medical student experience in a healthcare system in the United States. It is, it is an amazing experience for me, having had come from Colombia. Uh, it was mind-boggling, just the fact of walking into Jackson Memorial Hospital and seeing the doors open automatically. <laughs> that was just one of many fantastic experiences and all the beepings and the alarms and how clean and how organized. And, and just walking around such a large campus, it was the experience of a lifetime for me. I don't know what was your whole sensation within you when you initially walked into that place, even into the office of the program. Yeah, it was very organized. And, you know, when I when you got the letter of acceptance, you know, yes. it was like very organized. I mean, I would know exactly where I would go the first day. And I said, this is extremely organized. And, and that really struck me like you, you know, say like, this is very organized. This is the way I wanted to practice medicine, mm -hmm. you know? And then the experience uh, that I had at Jackson Memorial Hospital actually, you know, shaped my future career. And that's why I'm a radiologist today because of that experience that I had, because one of my rotations during that program was a diagnostic radiology rotation for one month. And that was it. That, it took one month to make up my mind. And, and back in your day and my day, I do remember that going into the dark rooms of the radiology department, they had this all revolving yeah. film library, the old fashioned way. We didn't have the PAC system. And I do remember the surgical team, probably you had to deal with them just walking by in the morning, just asking for your personal opinion about these films, the chest tubes, the central lines, et cetera, just kind of looking through things every morning. That was that was pretty awesome and really cool. Just kind of having one attending with a resident and probably a medical student at the, uh, next to them. I think it was fantastic. Things are different now, but uh, obviously 
20 years ago, that's the way we did things, right? Yeah, so uh, you're absolutely right. And when I rotated there, we had the uh, revolving, you know, x-rays on a wall. So, um, but what was very interesting to me was, you know, people would come to radiology to discuss the tough cases, right? So, and they would listen to us to, us to shed some light at the case. And that was the one thing that really you know, sold the specialty to me. It was like, okay, you know, it used to be, now it's changing a little bit. The, we were the doctors of the doctors, right? Uh, because it would help you make the diagnosis. But today with uh, uh, the spread of, of, of information, we are having a shift, a major shift actually in diagnostic radiology for being more patient-centered. Yes, isn't that incredible? Yeah. And, and I think I miss that close interaction that we used to have and you and I were having a discussion that actually you used to enjoy when we were, we're going to talk more in depth in, about this. When you lived in Mississippi, you love to go to the emergency room and talk to people like me when you had a significant finding. Hey, dude, you need to act on it. This is crazy. I just saw X, Y, and Z. And that you really like that spark. And, and based on your resume, I consider you what I would say a very well-rounded radiologist because based on this and in Mississippi, I think you were able to do it all from ultrasound to plain radiology, musculoskeletal, MRI, CAT scans, PET, nuclear medicine. You know, you did the whole spectrum. I know that right now working here in Tampa, the Moffitt Cancer Center, you're, you're pretty much biased by the cancer population. But but back then you were like, oh my God, this is awesome. And, and, and you told me how much you enjoy talking to us. Exactly. Now I slowed down a bit, right? So, but uh, <laughs> yes, my training in, like, let me... Uh, uh, step back, back a little bit yeah. and explain a little bit. So once I finished the, the William J. Harrington program in Miami University, I went back to Brazil, but then I learned about the steps, how to get you know, certified and, and apply for, for programs in the United States. So I said, okay, so I didn't have that time to do all of it and then apply and, and still get in the position without missing a year or something because I was not ready. That was 2001. So I, I took an examination, entry examination for a residency program in my hometown or my, my medical school, and I passed. So, and I said, you know what? In radiology back then were, uh, was only three years of training. And I said, okay, if I do three years and then I come back to United States, even if I do like one year of research or fellowship, I'm still going to be like, you know, probably, you know, close to five years and will be able to to, you know, have the same experience or training as a uh, U.S., you know, trained uh, radiologist. And I went back, I finished residency, and I actually went to a, or applied for a grant, and I got the grant to, a, to go to one of the largest medical conference in the world, which is the RSNA, Radi Radiological Society of North America. It's in Chicago every year in December, and uh, my work or my research that was on prostate cancer was accepted and I presented there. And uh, when I was just discussing the possibility of coming to the United States, I had a, uh, a mentor that in my medical school in Brazil that told me about a great you know, experience that he had training in Harvard Medical School. And uh, I said, I told him, give me the name of your you know, attending there yeah, and I will contact. contact him. Yeah. yeah. And then I contacted his, his assistant 
And she told me that he would attend the same meeting that I'm, I was presenting my, uh, my prostate project. And then he set up an interview with me. So during that interview, I think that those are like, as you know, there, there are moments in your career that are like, okay, those are the Crucial. main, you know, or hotspots, let's say that in your career that you make, you need to make a decision or was an interview that actually, you know, changed the course of your life. Yes. The pinnacle right? of your career, probably that really made yeah. a difference on who you were going to become. Yeah. And that's when you see, when you have the preparation or the preparation meets the opportunity. And then you have the so-called luck, right? So, but actually is the preparation meeting the opportunity. And then that's one of those moments that he saw my CV, he interviewed me, and then I showed him something, which I will tell in, in your podcast here, which is I always need to have an extra skill. It could be music. It could be something that you do for fun. Just do it. Don't only, you know, be only in your academic stuff. So I, just for fun, I was very digital. That's why one, probably one of the reasons I went into radiology. I was very interested in building website. Wow. So I built a website for my residency program just for teaching, just educational. And I showed it to him. And I think when he saw that website, I said, and it was in English and in Portuguese. And he, I think he was pretty impressed. And he said, okay, I'm going to interview you in Boston. Wow. Once you're done with your, with your meeting and your presentation. I think he saw something on me. And then I went to Boston after the meeting. And he interviewed me and offered me the spot to no be there for, for research. Because I didn't have the, you know, the steps or the ECFMG certificate. So I knew that I, one, need some time to study for it in an environment that was appropriate. And two, I needed to, you know, sharp up my skills on the English, on English and speaking English, you know, because I have been always speaking in Portuguese and didn't have much experience here. So then I was accepted in 2005 for that program. And then like I did the steps in three months, I did all the steps, you know, like after studying, maybe I started that in January, 2005, yes. I took the steps maybe uh, in three months period from September and December, I had my ECG FMG uh, certificate. You know? Wow. Let me ask you a question. Obviously you said the, the effort met an opportunity and you had an extra skill. In my case, I think that connection, that click, that something that you're attending at Harvard found for you was how technical you were, the capacity to build websites. I think in my case, he knew I was a good doctor in general. I wanted to be an emergency physician, but he, we click about tennis and he was a tennis lover. And I think tennis became the conversation of the interview. You know, and as you said, that's very important for us not to be a dork, just a dork. Have something in your life that actually sparks curiosity on people. The Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast is proudly sponsored by nextdaypodcast.com. As I said, nextdaypodcast.com. They provide podcasters like me with affordable podcast editing services with 24 hours turnarounds. You simply send them your raw recordings and they do the rest. If you're not podcasting right now at this moment, check out their amazing podcast launch packages. I'm one of those that is extremely satisfied. And if you use the promo code 
medical next day. That's medical next day. You will receive 10% of any of their services. Again, that's nextdaypodcast.com. So you went to Harvard without your ECFMG certification to do a research fellowship in body MRI at Beth Israel Diaconis Medical Center at Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. So for the whole year, you were there. And within three years, you took us past step one or within three years, you passed step one to CSA. Within three months, in September, I was there for the whole year, right? So I was studying and, you know, learning English. And at the same time, you know, making my, my network. Even today, I keep, you know, friends from that network that I did in 2005. So I study and in September, I did my step one. In November, step two, CS. And in December, step two, CK. And, uh, and I was certified in, in that year. So um, that was my trajectory for the UCFMG. So I was offered, I came for the meeting in December 2004 with a B1, B2 visa. Yes. Right? So uh, he offered the tourist tourist visa. Yes. And then he offered me to to get the J1 visa in this program, the research program, which was a research G1 visa, which is a different, you know, than the clinical J1 visa. And I'll explain to you the the main difference, which has to do with the waiver. So I took the J1 and I adjustment of status while within the United States, right? So I didn't have to go back to Brazil. So I stay, I came to the meeting, you know, in December, 2004, I presented the, uh, my project. And then I stayed in Boston until December with a J1 researcher. And I learned about the, uh, the two-year requirement and I had the ECGFMG certificate by December. And I said, okay, I'm going to apply for a waiver. I requested the embassy, the Brazilian embassy to write a letter to the U.S. Embassy that I didn't need to, there is a formal process for that, that I didn't need to take the two-year requirement to go back home. And they, they granted me the waiver and I didn't have to go back after December 2005, after my research fellowship to do it. However, I had to apply for a fellowship or a residency in order to be board eligible here in the U.S. and start my process here of eligibility. And I said, okay, so how I do that? And then I can explain to you all the, the, the alternatives that are available to radiologists. Because I, back then, I, I had already done my boards in Brazil for radiology. And I was a, radi- a, radiolo- a board-certified radiologist in Brazil. Okay? So, and then one thing I will tell your uh, listeners here is... If you already have a specialty that you already finished your residency in your look for the board of that specialty in the United States and see the requirements necessary to or the alternatives that you can you can have for as a foreign medical graduate to be board eligible in the United States. I think that's extremely important and that's what I did. I looked it up, you know, I researched and then I found out there are some alternatives for me. Wow, those are so rare and scant. Uh, so one thing I can pick up from this this far is you had the motivation, Cyril, obviously. You come from a country like Brazil, from a rural part of Brazil. You have to do your 
own research on every single topic. And, you know, you have to find a way to succeed. Some people are just expecting for the mana to come from heaven and just that magically things are going to appear. I think you re- need to have a self-driven personality to be able to make it in America. And most of the people that accomplish that goal have some sort of commitment. Now, you had a personal professional commitment. Tell me about the finances, Cirilo, before we move on into further immigration process. I know that this is very expensive for me. It was really expensive coming from pesos to make it into dollars to pay for my room, boarding, housing, transportation, testing, preparation, courses, etc., flights. How do you make that happen? Do you save a lot of money? Were you coming from a wealthy family? How did it, how did it go for you? Okay. That's an excellent question, you know, because that's one of uh, probably hurdles that everybody, you know, has to face if you don't come from a uh, wealthy family. So I am one of five siblings and uh, my dad uh, didn't have the means to, you know, support me in the United States. So when I came for the meeting, first time was a grant. They paid for me, for me to come. Okay. Now staying here what I had to do was during my medical school, you know, again, this is, I was single. I didn't have a family, you know, on my own yet. So the only person that I had to take care of was me <laughs> or were me. So again, uh, I had bought a car during my medical school. Look at that. And I said, and the car, I didn't uh, sell the car when I came, and unexpectedly, I had to stay because I was offered that position. Yeah, right in Harvard Medical School, I would not turn that down. Absolutely. Right? So I gave the car to my dad. My dad sold the car, <laughs> you know, and with the money, you know, it made me. My dad, of course, gave me some extra money. So that was very interesting because I was looking for places that are cheap in in Boston, and there is no such a thing. There's nothing the, cheap, especially nothing surrounding Harbor or the hospital. No, community. no. So I had to find an area in the suburb and I would spend one hour and a half commuting. Wow. Bus would, or how do train you do it? and bus. Wow. Yeah, I remember. And then I was, I was sharing. I had like one roommate that I, I didn't knew much about it, you know, and then in a house that had like all immigrants. You know, I didn't even meet them all, uh, just my roommate, but I didn't interact much. But it was the cheapest one that I could get, yeah. you know, to support. And, and I had sense. to face reality. And, and then uh, I couldn't work and I was studying full time. So those are the challenges that everybody faces, you know, and you have to make choices. And that worked pretty pretty nicely for me because, you know, one hour and a half studying the bus or in the train, man, you know, like straight. So... Uh, that's what I, I did. And I didn't have podcasts to listen to. I didn't have all the, um, the cell phones uh, that we have today that, you know, can make your life easier if you use it that way. But that's it. So that's how I supported for the whole year with my dad probably chipping in a little bit. And then I was uh, actually at the end of that training, my dad came to visit me and to visit the United States. And then we flew back to Brazil at the end of 2005. And then I started the process for applying for fellowship here yeah. in the US. We lived a simple life during that year. I do remember days in which I had no cash in my pockets and sometimes you were hungry and 
back then the pharmaceutical companies uh, had a lot of breakfast, lunch, and dinners throughout uh, Jackson Memorial. <laughs> and I do remember people used to pass along that there was going to be free food and a pharmaceutical company sponsor lecture. <laughs> and I was the first one in line. And uh, but that's just something that, you know, you, we kind of find a way to, yes. to kind of get by, you know. Let's go back to the research that you did on finding the, the ways that you could become more eligible through the American College of Radiologists in the United States. And how you headed on to do the fellowship. Let's do that. So I did the research and I found out uh, there, there are three major pathways that you can follow to be you know, eligible to take the American Board of Radiology here in the U.S. Having a board certification for a home country like Brazil, I was board certified radiologist in Brazil. So one option would be okay, you're board certified that you can apply for the alternate pathway. They call it alternate pathway, which uh, is a pathway that they will accept you. And there are some, of course, letter of recommendations. You have to send all your transcripts and everything to the board. And then you can apply for a clinical fellowship, one year of clinical fellowship, for example. However, the clinical path or the alternate pathway from the board can make you board eligible if you have a four-year fellowship, you know, program that will accept you. Like, for example, we have different fellowships in radiology, right? You have yes. musculoskeletal, you have body imaging, neuroradiology, and you have, you know, other types of fellowships. Emergency room fellowship, you know, like radiology room fellowship. So I apply for multiple places that would accept, you know, international foreign graduate with, uh, with there are a lot of places. Yes. And that was in 2005. I was yes. applying. So I sent all my documentations. Uh, I picked some places. It's not through the match. It's separate, you know. And um, except radio, neuroradiology. Neuroradiology, there is a match for, for that fellowship program, the neuroradiology. But you can also apply outside the match. So I applied for body imaging to specific places. But the, the main important thing that you need to do your research is, okay, so yeah, I'm going to stay in the United States. I want to be, you know, equivalent to a U.S. trained radiologist. So what would be very important uh, things for me to pay attention to? One of them was, okay, do your fellowship, which is ACGME accredited. Because there are a lot of fellowships that are not ACGME accredited. Yeah, ACGME, okay. for those that don't know, American College of Graduate Medical Education. Yes. So I, I picked some places that were that. And coincidentally, there was one place that another thing that I needed to pay attention to was the type of visa they would offer. Crucial. And I said, okay, I cannot come with a J-1 visa because it will give me some trouble if I wanted to stay. There are some things that you need to, to do, the waiver, or, or you need to go back to your country and say, okay, the H-1 is the one to go. And, and doing my research, I found out that People were recommending that and say, okay, so which program offers that? It was Thomas Jefferson. Wow. So I applied for Thomas Jefferson. I applied for Cleveland Clinic, Memorial Low Catering, and a few others. And Thomas Jefferson offered me the position. Cyril, it's my perception. You, are, you were always reaching for the skies, reaching for the best, trying to get into the best teaching programs ever created because the names that you're bringing up are just some of the best. 
Yes, I think, you know, I was aiming for that. And, and that's one of the things that you ask for me, what would take you to come to America and what kinds of, uh, you know, traits that, uh, traits that really it's important. I think one of them is, you know, you trying your best to get to the place that you want, you know, and show that, show that you want to be part of that team. You know, I think that's extremely important that uh, you need to show them when you go for an interview that you need to be part of that team, that you, you know, uh, you belong. That, that you belong there. And, and it's a respectable place and it's known all over the world. And you, you want to be part of that, of that, you know, culture. And that was always my mindset. Even if I go to another place, I went uh, to different places here in the U.S., as you know, and you just try to do your best and to, to offer your best to the team. And, and I think that's, uh, there's no mistake on doing that. And people will appreciate you for doing that. Yep. Well, guess what? I'm super pumped up, super motivated myself. I think I'm going to just have a fantastic day today. Cirilo, again, thank you very much. You rocked it. And uh, thank you. Dr. Osorio, I'm a, I'm a pleasure again to be part of this. It's awesome. To our followers, if you want to contact Dr. Arujo, get a hold of me. I'll pass it on the way. So remember, info at osoriomd.com or alonsojosorio at yahoo.com and go to osoriomd.com. Keep listening, keep sharing, keep watching, and uh, have a happy 2021. We're going to get over this. Thank you. Bye.